Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Thanks for joining me today. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. On this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, we're giving you insights and advice on how to move the ball and make things happen. This episode is part of my special Path to the Draft series, where I am having conversations with NFL draft prospects on their path to the draft. Now, if you haven't yet followed the podcast, make sure that you do so so that you never miss an episode as part of this series, as well as the regular show. I've got a great lineup of guests for this season, as well as for this series. Now, for today's episode, Inside the Huddle with us and ready to share his story and talk about his path to the draft is Quentin Johnson. Quentin, welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me. Well, thanks for joining today. I'm excited to have you on with us. Let me just share a little bit more about your background for our listeners. So Quentin is a wide receiver who played college football at Texas Christian University, TCU. During this past season with the Horned Frogs, he recorded 60 receptions for 1,069 yards and six touchdowns. And for you stats people out there, during Quentin's entire three years at TCU, he racked up 108 receptions, 2,024 yards, 18.7 yards per catch, and 13 touchdowns. Quentin was also named a two-time All-Big 12 first-team wide receiver. We will talk about his college football journey, the NFL Combine, and more on today's episode. All right, Quentin, are you ready to move the ball? Of course. So normally as part of the series, I'll either start by asking guys about like how they got into football or their experience at the NFL Combine. We will get to both of those things here in the show. But where I wanted to start off today was in a different spot because you were part of TCU's football team that got the honor to play in the CFP playoffs this season. And you guys had a great season last year, undefeated during the regular season. And made it to the CFP championship game. But prior to the championship, you guys played Michigan in the semifinals, the Fiesta Bowl. You had a great game. Then you were voted most valuable offensive player, 163 yards, and had a touchdown in that game. Like, what was that like for you? It was very exciting. Obviously, coming into the game, we were voted to lose. Everybody was like, ah, like, they're not even supposed to be here. Honestly, it was just kind of that little underdog narrative, just went into it loose. Obviously, it was a big stage. And then if I'm really the player that I, you know, think I am in times like that, big stages like that, I definitely have to show up. And how do you deal with that? I mean, when you've got social media and people tweeting and posting on all kinds of news media outlets, on Twitter, wherever they want to let their opinions know, and there's all kinds of positives, there's negatives, there's people criticizing you. How do you stay locked in when you're going into such an important game like that? Kind of just unplug, get off my phone. I get on my phone and text my parents or like some of my friends if they need to reach out to me. But I mean, like overall, just 
especially on game weeks or the last few days until the game and then on actually on game day, just kind of getting on social media. Like I'll make a post, just like happy game day or whatever. But besides that, I don't really try to get too much into what people are saying, you know, whether it's the good or bad, because it's very easy to get caught up in things like that and honestly can throw your whole game off. For sure. And with regards to that Michigan game, you said it was a great experience. It was a great game on the big stage with everything. And you said at certain points in the game, it was like, all right, we have to show up. We have to show that we can withstand our mission. It was a shootout. It was a hard fought game, but we dug deep and we were able to win. It was an overall fun experience. So when you look at the experience, what was the most memorable part of it for you? So honestly, because that game at the end, that was my first time winning a big game like that with confetti and everything comes down. So that was honestly a dream come true. I mean, you see it all the time on TV. I got some homeboys at different schools that, you know, that experienced it a few times. So when the game was over, I kind of really wasn't thinking about that right then. I was just going to go back to the locker room and, you know, celebrate or wherever. But when the confetti came down, it was, it was just crazy. I kind of just, you know, had to step back. And then they pulled me to the side. I was like, you got MVP. And honestly, I wasn't really thinking about all that either. I'm like, MVP, oh, snap. And they brought me on the stage. And we had the hat and the shirts and stuff on right there. So, you know, that was a cool experience. Oh, for sure. And TCU being in the college football playoffs, I mean, for the state of Texas, TCU was the first team in Texas to appear in the CFP. And as you know, Texas and football go hand in hand. So what was yeah. it like just being the first college in the state to actually make it to the CFP? Yeah, I mean, so it was crazy. I mean, Texas is a big football state. And then to go through that the little run, we went on to have not only your friends and family, in my case, the TCU community behind you, but you have almost all of Texas behind you. So that was just, that was a great, so real feeling for me and my team. For sure. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up that quote that I read earlier was in there, you say we have to show up. And my listeners know that I recently released my latest book last November called Dominate the Game, How Life Changes When You Show Up. And life really does change and the right things happen when you choose to show up the right way. And you're certainly someone who has shown up every single day and put in the hard work and done the right things to really get you to where you are today, declaring for the draft. I mean, in the CFP, have had a great college career, what are some of the things that you've done throughout your life that you feel have really separated and differentiated you from everybody else out there? Just overall, just staying focused, starting off, you have a dream to do something big like this. But when you're, you know, in middle school, or high school, it kind of, it seems too far in the distance, but you have to keep the man going in the back of your head at all times. You can't veer off and go to a party and do something dumb. And now all of a sudden, you know, like the rest of your career is going to mess up because you got that kind of little bad decision following you. So just overall surrounding myself with good people that's going to make the same right choice that I'm willing to make to get to where I got to go. And for those that don't know, you were actually voted team captain as well. And so you helped lead the team to their undefeated season. I mean, what was that responsibility like being a team captain and someone that's respected by your teammates and known as a leader? It was huge. So that was actually my first time, you know, my three years there being a captain that kind of forced me to transition to more of a vocal leader because at first I was more of a quiet lead by example kind of guy because it was player voted. So to have that respect for my teammates and my coaching staff meant a lot to me. So, you know, I showed up every day like it was my last day, kind of gave everything I had and, you know, poured everything into my teammates. I like it. And when you look at the wide receiver position, what are some of the things that you feel are necessary to excel at the skill position? Being very aggressive, having good feet coming off the line and then being able to get separation for sure. And when you look at your game, what makes you different from other wide receivers in the draft class? Being a tall receiver, but actually moving like I'm way shorter, you know, for like my skills that I bring to the game after I catch the ball is top tier. And so let's run things way, way back. So we talked about Texas. You're from Temple, Texas, actually, which is in the general area of Austin, a little bit of ways, but that's the major city around you. And when was the first time you suited up or that you picked up a football? Honestly, I was about five or six. And what about football made you fall in love with the game? 
So at first I was just playing because all my friends was playing. That's kind of how I got into it in the first place. Didn't really actually know what football was. And then one of my next door neighbors used to always come home with pads. I'm like, you know, like, would you play football? And then went to a practice with him, ended up being on the team with him. But then it turned from more of a just playing with my friends to just that hunger of competition and just, you know, like wanting to go out there and win every game. So the competition and things like that is just something that really drives me. And my listeners know that I've been a student of the game since I was four years old. And there's so many lessons that I've taken away from the sport of football that I've applied off the field to be successful. And I wrote a lot about those in my first book, Move the Ball, which is what kicked off this whole movement. When you look at what football has taught you, a lot of people will talk about the hard work and the work ethic and the teamwork and all of those things are important. But what other things have you learned from football that you will take with you into the NFL as well as just to whatever you do in life? There's three main things. It's respect, discipline, and then learning how to give back. Because, you know, I mean, I say respect because, I mean, like you walk in the facility, you need to respect your coaches and teammates and learn how to work with them so you can be successful. You go off the football field, it translates to the same thing, whether you're in the classroom or whether you're at the grocery store, you still got to be respectful to people. You know, if somebody having a bad day, ask them how their day is going and kind of cheer them up. And then uh, I say discipline because we all know to play football, okay, you have to have some discipline, but to actually be good and excel at football, you have to have a certain level of discipline as well. So that also translates often. And I say giving back, you got a lot of people looking up to you coming because not too long ago, I was one of those kids looking up to players in the NFL right now. So to actually be on that level now and then being able to give back, whether it's through a camp, a driver just going out there to hang out with some young kids, throw the football around with them means a lot to them. You bring up three great points. And I especially love the part about giving back because what I like to say is moving the ball is not only about what you do in your career, but it's also how you serve and make an impact on others. And you actually have a camp coming up here on April 15th with your teammate. Tell us about what you guys are thinking when you did the camp or when you were getting ready for the camp and what you're most excited about for it. So it's me and then our running back, Kendrick Miller, we're kind of doing a joint camp at first. We really didn't know what we wanted. We know we just wanted to do something that involved the younger kids. Because last spring, TCU had a flag football competition with the younger kids, and I was signed up to be a coach. That was kind of my first time just really coaching anything. I mean, I'm still transitioning from actually playing to coaching those kids. Kind of made me want to do something more when I left. So we kind of put our heads together, like, you know, let's do a camp. Let's have you know, a certain age group and kind of take off from there. Like I was saying before, giving back, seeing a smile on all the kids' faces kind of makes it all day better. For sure. I know it's going to be a great camp, and I look forward to seeing all the pictures from those that participated. So you were ranked one of the top 10 recruits in the state of Texas, and you narrowed your college selection process down to really three schools, Texas schools, Texas, Baylor, and TCU. Originally, you decided on Texas. What changed your mind, and why did you decide you wanted to be a horn frog instead of a longhorn? It was a weird time for me because I'm 17, 18 years old trying to make that point in my life the biggest decision you know, I'm going to have to make to kind of jumpstart the rest of my life. So I was kind of everywhere with it. I did a lot of praying, talking to my parents and stuff. But when I decided to move, my position coach now, Coach Malcolm Kelly, convinced me to take a visit. TCU is a smaller town because it's a private school. I'm from a smaller town. Temple, Texas kind of kind of related there. Went to class sizes were smaller. You, you actually have an intimate, better relationship with the professor. We all know if you don't got good grades, you ain't playing football at all. So kind of I wanted to check that box there. And then um, at the end of the day, Coach Malcolm Kelly is the coach I felt really I connected with. He went to OU and then went to the league and was at a high level on both. So I wanted to be coached by somebody that's you know kind of been there and done that. And when you look back at your time playing college football, what have you learned about yourself? I feel like I learned if I'm pushed to a certain level, like another animal comes out. Playing football is obviously a physical, hard, false sport. So you get in the game, especially going back to my freshman year, I was kind of nervous. Obviously, it was still something I had a deep love for. I mean, honestly, it was new territory for me. I, I, I didn't know how hard everybody hit. I didn't know how fast the pace of the game went. 
particularly when uh, we played Texas, I got hit. That was kind of my welcome to college moment. Got hit super hard and kind of just feel me. I was just hot the rest of the game and ended up having a great game after that. So just feeling me and just turned into a whole different person. It's something I for sure learned about myself. Now, your first two years at TCU, the school went 11 and 11. Last season was different, undefeated, regular season. What was different about last season that really helped to change the momentum and the trajectory and lead to the team's success? New coaching staff, kind of a fresh start, if you will. The corporation of Coach Dyson, and when he brought in his strength and conditioning staff, you know, Kaz Kazadi, he he kind of brought a great deal of discipline into us that we really didn't know we needed. We already felt like we had a certain amount of discipline that we needed to, you know, win games, but obviously that wasn't the case because the previous two seasons weren't as good. They were okay, but they weren't good. They were just kind of average. He came in and just implemented a new level of discipline. His nutrition plans for everybody kind of elevated everybody as well because uh, I played first two years, I was around 203. This year, I was like 213, 214. So I immediately felt the change in my game. I feel more comfortable on the field with that as long as everybody else on the team. And something I heard that the coaching staff would do is they would have players come up after practice and share their personal stories with the team. And so tell us, how did that help kind of with the team bonding and cohesiveness? At first, he told us he was going to do it. It was like, ah, man, we got to go up there and talk for the team. I'm not trying to do all of that. But then for a minute, like some people started, you know, like really going up there and sharing their stories, telling each other how we appreciate each other all the time. It kind of just made everybody strong because like, I feel like it's one thing to have teammates and then when you're not really cool or connected with each other outside of the field, the chemistry is going to be off at times when you're going to need the chemistry to be on. When you actually know brothers that you're playing with, it makes you want to fight for all that much harder. And it really comes down to developing that human connection and connecting as people and understanding who they are and where they come from versus just, hey, we're teammates. And yeah, we have a common objective. But when you understand the why and where people come from, you just have a little bit more that you give to wanting to win. And so you also, this past season, you missed a couple games due to a high ankle injury. What was that like for you? It was tough. It was frustrating because obviously this is the year that I was planning to come out. Happened played West Virginia. It was Halloween weekend. Actually, it's my, it was weird because my very first catch of the game. First catch of the game, I tried to spin out. That hit weird, and my ankle ended up going one way. Following games after, they were telling me to sit out, but we were playing Texas, and we had Baylor. So that obviously, those are those are big games that I feel like I needed to be a part of. Kind of played through it during Texas, retweaked it again actually at the end of the game, and then kind of rehabbed it again for the boot for a minute, and then went to the Baylor game. Then I got I got taken out after probably halftime because I got it landed on again. So obviously, the next game I was forced to sit out, which I mean, sure, you love something, you get it kind of taken away from me for a little, you know, short period of time. It's, it's always frustrating just to sit on the sideline and kind of watch everybody out there and you're not out there. But, but at the same time, it also taught me how to go on the sideline and have all my teammates up, kind of live through them in that moment, for sure. As you know, being an elite player is not just what happens on the football field. It's the weight room, it's the film room, it's nutrition. It's, you know, when you're on the sideline observing kind of what else is going on and looking at how that can make you improve as a player as well. So sometimes those timeouts that we have to take, even though we didn't mean to call them, they just happened for us. They actually help us to be better players and contribute more to the team. As you look back on your time playing at TCU, what were some of your memorable moments? The game that I really felt like, okay, like this is what I really want to do. Like, I'm, you know, and I honestly, one of those, one of those guys, you got that phrase saying I'm him. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt like my sophomore year when we played OU. They had some great players over there in Norman. Uh, the crowd was loud. Started off kind of shaky, but in the game I had, you know, 100 some yards and I'm going for three touchdowns. And then I got some gloves from Randy Moss that he signed. That was for sure one of my favorite moments. And then outside of that, like I was saying before, the flag football thing I did when I was coaching was uh, for sure a great experience for me as well. 
Let's chat for a minute about the NFL Combine. So that week is, it's really not just about the on-the-field workouts. There's all kinds of things that are going on while you're in Indy. I was there, I was in Lucas Oil, I was watching all the drills in one of the suites. And so it's always neat to see everyone kind of showcasing their talents. But when you look at that week, like what are some of the things that might've been surprising for you that actually went on or that kind of caught you off guard? Yeah, you can get prepared for something, you know, as much as you want. But then when you actually get there, it's not, it's not always going to be how you prepare for it. The meetings, sure, did not realize the meetings were that long and that many days. My whole thinking, kind of before I was training and stuff like that for the combine, you go up there for a few days and get straight to the running, straight to the drills and everything. Nah, that was on the last days that we were there. So at that point, it became more of a mental battle than a physical battle. You still have to make sure you got your workouts in between all the meetings, all the drug tests, all the media interviews. So by the time it came to actually go on the field and do the drills and stuff. It's like, I'm tired. Like, I've been <laughs> I've been up all day, all night doing interviews and stuff, but you got to kind of just learn to get past that. But kind of after I got past that part, it was all cool. And they do that by design. I mean, it's really meant to test you as a professional. It's not just about what you do on the football field. It's how do you handle yourself as a professional? This is a business at the end of the day. And it's a job interview, right? And so they want to make sure that the people that they bring in are people that can handle themselves in this type of environment as well, not just play football. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I honestly didn't realize that until it was almost, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They trying to test us right now because I'm tired. I'm doing all type of stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was a good experience for me, though. And what was your biggest takeaway from the combine? My biggest takeaway was just kind of being locked in. I mean, you're out there with some of your teammates, some people you know, but at the same time, you're showcasing you yourself, representing your family. So you have to look good at all times as far as how you act, how you talk to people, how you treat other people, kind of away from the actual physical football part. Like I was saying, a lot of that for me was mental as well as, you know, everybody else. So kind of just uh, present yourself like a professional, just like you said. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you some fun questions. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record, or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy-to-implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Quentin, we're back and I'm going to take you through my two-minute drill. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, so the first question is, outside of football, what do you like to do? I picked up graphic design kind of at high school just as a filler just because I needed the extra class. wasn't really too high on it uh, at first. COVID came around, you know, I didn't really have nothing to do in the house all day. Seen a graphic on Instagram of uh, Michael Jordan. I'm like, you know, I could do that. I started doing stuff like that. And then, you know, I turned out to be good. And that was something that I could just actually focus in uh, all of my time. To. And I was going to ask you about that, too. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Maybe that's some other stuff you do in the future. We'll have to see some of your work. Next question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Driven, blessed want to make it a competition to not only make myself better, but whoever I'm going with better to just be at this point and realizing not a lot of people get to be here. I'm you know, very blessed. And then I'll say, you know, I'm going because I'm a one person. You come to one of our practices, I'm going to be the main one jumping up and down, dancing and all that type of stuff. Great three words. What is one thing most people don't know about you? That I've actually taken up being like into cars. So I wasn't really into cars that much. Came here, my roommates, Kendra Miller and Savion Williams, our receiver and running back, was real big in the cars. I ended up getting a charge and we always find ourselves fixing stuff up, putting stuff on. It kind of just turned into a hobby. Nice. What is the best piece of advice you've been given by a mentor or a coach? 
kind of just stay the course, kind of go by a little quote of yours. You know, in due time, everybody's path isn't the same, but you got to just learn how to just keep fighting every day and then, you know, your time will come. Now I'm going to flip in and ask, what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? Just stay true to who you are. Especially if you want to get to a level like this, there's going to be a lot of people that come and go and don't always have your best interests at heart. But you just got to keep the end goal in mind. Stay true to yourself. Know how to pick out the good people from the bad people that you want in your life. Because at the end of the day, it's going to have a big effect on you, whether it's good or bad. And we know that the people that you choose to surround yourself with are either going to take you up and help you elevate or they're going to hold you back. So it's important to choose wisely. Would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion dollar company and why? Woo! Let me see. Like where I'm at right now, for sure, world champion of my sport, just because it's something that a lot of people fight for and dream about. So just to be in that 1% of people that actually have been in that position would be amazing for me. You have 24 hours in a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? I'm going to Nevada to pick my sister and my niece up. And then I'm going to Virginia to pick my brother up and we all going to go on vacation somewhere. I'm probably Cancun or something just to go out there and relax. Last question is, do you sing in the shower? Oh, for sure. If you're a shower sick, you probably need to keep it in the shower, not go anywhere else with it. <laughs> I find myself having a mini concert in there a lot. And so at some point, football is going to come to an end and you'll hang up those cleats. Have you thought about what it is you might be interested in doing beyond football and graphic design? Yeah, yeah. Definitely doing something along the lines of the graphic design. You know, some of my homeboys in the works are starting up different clothing brands and stuff, you know, type of things like that. So you know, very aware that football doesn't last all the time. By the end of my career, even if I have a long career, I still got a long life to live after that. So yeah, for sure, that's something I've been thinking about. Let people know, where are you at on social media? How can they follow you with all the great things you're going to do in your NFL career as well as beyond? I'm on Instagram at underscore, underscore, Q-U-E-N-T-1-N, underscore, underscore, Twitter. I'm on Mr. Johnston, Mr. Johnston, underscore, underscore, underscore. Perfect. And we will have those in the show notes so people can follow you on your journey. Quentin, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you for having me. And I wish you much success in the draft. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. Once again, if you haven't already done so, hit that follow button so that you never miss an episode and also share the show with a few friends. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right. Thanks again for listening. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends, too. Next, I want you to go to GetInsideTheHuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.